everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the FearCast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss. Thank you all so much for joining me. Um, uh, I am a licensed therapist specializing in OCD. Um, the FearCast is a question and answer based podcast where you can send in questions. If you go over to fearcastpodcast.com and uh, you can click on the submit a question link there. I should start just automating this. I think a lot of folks have heard this. Maybe you've heard it before. If this is the first time you've heard it, I suppose that's why I say it. If this is the first time you've heard this podcast, if it is, welcome. Thank you for uh, for finding the podcast and giving it a try. So um, for you, the new listener, this is a question and answer based podcast where you get to send me questions about OCD stuff and I will answer those questions and hopefully help you through some of that stuff too, so you can try to get your life back. Um, this episode is going to be just that. Um, I I got two questions. I'm, I'm going to answer two questions today, uh, but I got one question, my favorite thing, a question, an audio question. So this question is uh, was sent over through Instagram. So the person went over to the Instagram, found me over there. I'm Fearcast Podcast over there. And uh, they recorded a question uh, uh, there, an email, a message it to me, uh, just uh, private messaged me. So I will get those. I will listen to those. And private, or not private questions, audio questions are going to get preference. So this question was sent in earlier this week, or actually, no, the end of last week, the end of last week. And it's going up right now. The other question was sent to the email, and it's kind of in the backlogs. And I've got a lot of questions in the hopper uh, that were emailed in. And thank you all for emailing those. But audio questions, I know it's preferential treatment, but you know what? It's it's it, it makes the podcast sound so much better and richer and more interesting and vibrant because it's your voice. It's your real voices, and I want to share and have those real voices represented. So you can send it to me via or send your audio question in via uh, the Instagrams, or you can send it, uh, go to Fearcast Podcast, go to the submit a question link and send me uh, send me the link to a shared Google Doc of your audio or your recorded question. Recorded into your phone, recorded, there are a couple apps, someone sent me a question in through an app that they just recorded and they just sent me the file directly that way. And however you can do that, that is going to work for me. So um, thank you all again for um, letting me be a part of your process. Um, if you like the podcast, um, I, give it a review, give it a like. Um, I, 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 um, uh, the, the, the more ratings, the more reviews, the more uh, people can find it, the higher it is on, on various lists of things. And, um, and hopefully, again, the more questions, the more this silly little podcast that I started four years ago, four and a half years ago, will just keep on trucking. So thank you all uh, for letting me be, um, a, again, a part of your process. So um, this first question, I'll share the audio question first. It's going to be from someone named Ferrari Fan, or that is what they are calling themselves. So I'll play that, and then I will answer their question in a moment. Hey man, I hope you're doing great. I'm not sure, but I think I'm almost sure that I have HOCD. So at the moment, I'm, I was very confused, but I watched all your podcasts and from other people as well and I heard many times plenty of times that the solution is to let go you know to don't think about the problem but 
I think it has worked way too well because I'm now at a stage that I'm almost forgetting that I have OCD and when I get to that stage I certainly remember oh crap I have OCD and then the, the thoughts come all over again and it's very repetitive did I get myself explained like I'm in a chill zone relax no HOCD thoughts and then suddenly when I realize that I, I'm in that zone the OCD, the HOCD comes all, all over again with all the intrusive thoughts and the bad stuff that I don't like. You know, I, I'm just to a point. I'm, I'm really desperate, man. But I know I shouldn't be because that's what HOCD wants or OCD wants. And I don't know, man. I just honestly, I, I'm gonna be very open. I just want my life back. I feel that everything was going so fine and so great. Like I had many friends, I was losing weight, my grades were going up. I think it was all too well, man, all too well to be truth. And now I'm dealing with this, sorry for the bad word, dealing with this shit and I'm, I'm desperate, man, but I, I know I shouldn't be. I know you've heard this story, I'm sure, plenty of times, but, you know, it's it's very painful. But, um, alright, man, hope you're doing great once again. Thank you. All right, Ferrari fan, thank you so much for sending that in. Um, I think, um, so, I, I, I think a lot of people are going to resonate with your question. A lot of times I hear, or a lot of times... Pretty much every time I hear people talk about sexual orientation OCD, um, they, they they talk about it in the way that you're talking about it. That is this deeply painful, deeply deep struggle that they're going through. And I'll, I'll say again, um, well, actually, I'll, I'll say this. Um, so I, I know that throughout your your question, you referred to it as HOCD. So um, uh, for those of you who are new to the process or who have uh, maybe been in this process before. So HOCD was uh, previously called, or what we called obsessions that were focusing on one's sexuality. Now, when it was first kind of discussed or, or, or you know, first identified or first labeled as a subtype, um, it was referred to as homosexual OCD, as the, as the fear was related to whether or not someone is, was, will be, will become homosexual. However, um, we've shifted that title. So rather than it being homosexual OCD, we're calling it sexual orientation OCD. So if you actually go back to the previous episode from this one, I believe that will be, you know, before I even just say a thing, I'm just going to look up which one it is. It is going to be episode 119. No, excuse me. That was with John Hirschfeld. If you go to... <laughs> you know what? I can't even find it right now. Well, that's a shame. So, a, a, a previous episode uh, discussing uh, sexual orientation OCD. Uh, you can find that, you can hear that, and that will be up for you to listen to. So, it's a further, longer discussion. Uh, now, I'm even questioning whether or not it posted. Oh, goodness. Now, I'm going to obsess about this. Oh, goodness. All right. I'm going to try to do this later. So, if not, there's going to be a double episode, and you will all know my mistake and my error. Gosh, I might have made I might have made that mistake. All right. Anyways, if it did, I am very apologetic. All right. 
So anyways, HOCD, now called sexual orientation OCD, because sexual orientation OCD is more encompassing to any obsession about one's sexual orientation. There, uh, someone, can, someone who is gay identified can also uh, can be obsessed about their sexuality. Now, previously, years ago, we probably would have called that straight OCD. We would have called it reverse HOCD. Various things to, to try to get at what the obsession was about so we could again use all these as I don't know shorthand to under so we can have a you know clear clear understanding quickly about what the, the cluster of obsessions are the topics um, but sexual orientation OCD is just is just more encompassing it it addresses more it's a wider tent and um, and is just simply put more inclusive so the previous episode if I even posted it, oh, I'm actually kind of, now I'm going to be thinking about this throughout the entire episode. Oh, all right. I'm going to try to practice my redirection exercises and refocus on you guys. All right. So anyhow, uh, Ferrari fan. So uh, take a listen to that. So so you talk about you know you just want your you just want your life back and you kind of talked about how you know you were practicing letting go of the problem letting go of the obsession right and then whether or not that was kind of backfiring on you so if the if if the goal of quote letting it go was that it never came back that may be more compulsive so what is going to happen like with any thought is that it that if we're holding on to it, grabbing on to it, it will stay, right? It, well, it will stay. It will kind of be a little, you know, wiggly and squiggly and might sift out of your attention. But then it'll come back. And then it'll go away because you'll get distracted by something else. And you'll think about, then, you'll, then it'll come back, right? Now, if the goal is that it's going to go away forever, that ain't going to happen. In fact, when you hope that it's going to go away forever, you're kind of ensuring that it's going to come back. So, when you get when you let go of the quote the, the the problem when you let go of what I'm assuming you mean is fighting with the obsession through compulsive means, it it, it goes away. Now you said you got really good at that, which is great. But then you said you got so relaxed with it, you, then you know you didn't have the obsessions, and all of a sudden it came back, and then all of a sudden it's treated like it's the end of the world. It's not ultimately the end of the world. It is uncomfortable. But we can treat that more as a more as just simply the return of a thought. It is the awareness of something. It is the the the, the story that's coming into your mind yet again. But does, for you, does it represent a, a, an actual change to your life? Oftentimes, with sexual orientation OCD, that core fear can be, you know, whether or not, you know, what, what if something is changing in my life? Or what if I don't really know myself? What if I'm not my authentic self? And this, 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 this my authentic self is this whole other person that doesn't really reflect who I am, what I'm about, what I want in life, what I'm trying to work towards in life, what I desire in life. Right now, this theme, this um, maybe core fear, we can call it a core fear, is common in a lot of other different subtypes, and 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 it, it often shows up for folks with sexual orientation OCD. And I wonder if that's what that partially what that fear is for you. So, 
there are a lot of different ways to to address this um, through certainly through mindfulness, through certainly through exposure and response prevention, um, and and I think you'd benefit from both of those, but also. I, going back to that idea of acceptance, I think acceptance of the reality of thoughts will also be important. I almost get the sense that there is, um, uh, as, as, as uh, Stephen Phillips might say, a, 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 an entitlement that you shouldn't have these thoughts, and that when they when they come back, there's this almost one the, being upset that they're there, but then two almost this anger that they're back, and how how. Dare they be back? The audacity of those thoughts to come back and ruin your day. I mean, joking aside, it's that, yeah, they're, they're back. All right. To a certain degree, I'll say, well, so what, Ferrari fan? So what that they're back? To bother you a little bit? So that you can practice letting them go again, maybe. Right? What is so bad for you that they're back? Is it just simply a distraction? Is it a reminder that you aren't in control of your thoughts? And that's a that's a bummer. That's even that's that makes you kind of sad. And there's a there's a mourning process for some that they are people who have these thoughts, and from time to time will have them. And they didn't ask for them. They certainly didn't want them, but they have them. And there needs to be an acceptance in a, in a kind of a, a self-reckoning that this is the world that you live in. And how do you then make space for it? It's kind of like, you know what, I, I also don't like gravity, but stuff falls. And stuff will continue to fall, even though I don't like the gravity thing. Now, I know that's, that's a silly comparison, and that's certainly not to undermine the pain that you're in. But it's also to say, how do you find a way to, to allow for that feeling and that thought to be part of your life? So I, I think this is also something, uh, something important. You said, you, like, you, you really liked your life, quote, before these thoughts, right? You really liked it. Things were working for you. You were kind of moving in the direction that you want. You said you were, you were exercising, you were losing weight, you were, you were, you, great things were going on in your life, right? And sometimes when that happens, there there can then when obsessions show up, it can feel like that is derailing your life, or that now it's yeah you, you are on this great path, and now OCD is ruining everything, and it's sure to ruin everything because now you can't do all those things that you were previously doing because you got to fix or solve or resolve this problem. What I'd encourage you to do, Ferrari fan, is when we can make, when you, if you can make an acceptance of the presence of these thoughts, the presence of them, not the fact of them, not the reality of the content of them, but the presence of them, and then shift over and do the things that you have wanted to do. Do the things that you've said you wanted to do. Make those things happen. And continue to work towards the life that you want and working towards the guy that you are trying to be. Who is this person that, you know, when things were going well and you liked things before, who is that? What did he do? Uh, how did he do it? Working towards doing those things and being consistent with those things, despite the fact that there is this thought that's there. So, at my, my affirmation, to, or affirmation, my, my, um, my previously, um, 
uh, 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 mentioned a podcast with John Hirschfeld might be a really good place to start in terms of accepting the presence of the thought, not the reality of the thought, not the content, but the presence of it, and continue to make a decision to move forward with who it is that you are. Now, that that certainly is not substitute as well for doing uh, doing exposures and doing scripts, perhaps a script about how your life is just over now, and how because of these thoughts, because of this silly sexual orientation thought, this doubt about who you thought you were, you know, nothing is the same. Life is over, and you're just either, you're never going to be that guy again, or that you never knew who you were, and you never are going to discover who you are, because that person is constantly going to be changing and turning into something else. And the second you think that you know yourself, boom, something else changes. Could be that. You could also do a number of exposures to this thought about things changing in your life. Um, the, obviously, the first song that's coming to mind is, uh, is it called Changes by David Bowie? I don't know. That's not good. But, you know, the ch ch changes that one, that one. Um, there are, you know what? A bunch. There are there are a whole genre of horror movies that all are, all are about changing and changing form. The Fly is one of those classic movies that maybe uh, maybe a good exposure that that in that movie he turned into something else and it was not something that he wanted and it, it's a you know it's a. It, I, you know, I'll be honest, I've not seen it. Um, not because I'm scared, but because I'm, I've not gotten around to watching it. I'm in the process of watching Hellraiser, for anybody who's interested. Um, I, I This is going to sound really weird. As I put my one-and-a-half-year-old to sleep, and he's kind of like curled up in my arms, and I'm trying to get him to go to sleep, I have my phone on my other side, and I'm slowly watching Hellraiser in like 10 to 15-minute spurts, like before he either wakes up or before I'm going to try to transfer him to his crib. So, it's coming, you know. It's a ninety-minute movie, but you know, uh, this a you know, it's a baby trying to wake up. Anyways, Ferrari fan, back to you. So it's um, I would practice some of those things and really think about well, what is what is the thing that's so scary for you, and try to see if you can maybe talk with talk with a therapist if at all possible. Great, but if not, think about how can you face that fear. What represents that fear in your life, and how do you steadily get closer to it? Number one, exposure, get closer to it, and two, the response prevention piece is resisting any compulsive reassurances, checking arguing, uh, undermining of the thought, and rather just saying, hey, cool story. Interesting. Thanks for that thought, brain. Maybe I won't know who I am. Maybe I'm not who I was. And yet, I'm going to continue to do this, whatever the this is for you. So, Hopefully, Ferrari fan, this helps, and we would love to hear some feedback. We'd love to hear a response if, if, if you put some of this into practice. I'm sure a lot of listeners would love to hear that. So again, thank you so much. So I'm going to shift over to the next question. The next question comes from Repeat OCD Victim is the person's name. So again, I'll say this. These names sound silly. They're not like, you know, Jeff, Carol, whoever. They are on, on, the, on the website, when you send in your question, I have, um, I, I, would, I do need your real name. I do need your real email address. And you can, because of um, legal reasons and, you know, in case there's a crazy emergency and I need to contact you for whatever clinical reason, I can. However, 
I will ask what name you would like me to share. And it can be, you know, it can be whatever name you want. This person decided to call themselves repeat OCD victim. Um, It's to protect your anonymity and so that you can feel free to jump on this podcast or send in your question without anybody, you know, calling you out. So, um, we'll get into this. So, repeat OCD victim. They say, hi there. Uh, I've been listening to your podcast and first one, thank you for all the help you've already provided. You're welcome. And thank you for listening. Uh, this is, I suffer from OCD since I was nine and it started with suicide OCD, which jumped to existential OCD last, uh, lasting years. Then ROCD. And now I'm getting married soon. It suddenly turned into HOCD. Thanks, brain. They put that down. I like that. Um, so they, they said, uh, my question is about how to properly disregard thoughts. Oof, that's a good question. Um, I've heard other OCD coaches, so they put coaches in quotes. So coaches say, uh, you should disregard thoughts. But how do you do that in a way that isn't thought stopping or isn't repeating a phrase in a compulsive way? Also, um, is it always 100% bad to engage with the thought with logic? I understand that I need to lean into uncertainty, but I feel like given my record of my life and, and relationships, I can be 99% certain that I'm straight. Is it okay to cling to this comfort and use this logic to help? I don't know why help is in all caps, but it is, so um, so, I, is it okay to cling to this logic to help disregard irrelevant, intrusive thoughts, or am I making my HOCD worse? Thank you in advance for your help. Sincerely, repeat OCD victim. So, so um, at this point, I'll also say with HOCD, with people sending in HOCD, if they write HOCD, I'm going to read HOCD and not and probably not. Who knows what I'm going to do in the future? I'm probably not going to edit out HOCD. I'm just going to say it because for that is still the way a lot of people refer to it, and a lot of people think about it and and Google it and try to find information about it. There's so many more articles um, about HOCD than there are SOOCD or sexual orientation OCD. And I'm going to make a confession right now. When I first saw SOOCD, I actually kind of thought it was the OCD community's way of making fun of people who are so OCD. If you've ever heard people like, um, you know, like the, the the person who does not have OCD who claims they have OCD because you know they they will only eat at I don't know In and Out and not go to Burger King or something like that, or that they just you know, they they just really like their clothes folded in a certain way, or they will only drive I don't know a Honda or they'll only drive a Lexus or something like that, right? Um, those are all bad examples, but I think you get the idea. It's, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was some, they were just saying like we're gonna make a we're gonna make a subtype for you people. You people are. So so OCD. Um, but no, it's sexual orientation OCD. I was wrong. Anyways, but that was my thought. Um, I still kind of giggle about it to myself a little bit. Anyways, so repeat OCD victims. So first off, again, thank you so much for this email. Um, I, I, I hope... I hope things continue to be helpful. We'll see how this answer goes. Um, all right, so a couple of things in there. So first off, for those of you who are new to this, so they said, how do you how do you disregard thoughts in a way that isn't thought stopping? Okay, so a couple of things. So we're going to talk about disregarding thoughts. So there are a lot of different ways that people will talk about treating OCD. One of them is is in a disregarding sort of way. And what that means is it, it acknowledges a thought, but it's disregarding it as something that's relevant to your life. 
So, you know, we, we disregard a lot of information in our life. Um, you know, we see a billboard that says, hey, get off the freeway and go to McDonald's or Macker's if you're in other parts of the world um, and uh, get off the freeway here and, and go get it. Now, we see it. We know what the restaurant is. We might like it or dislike it, but if you're not hungry at that moment, you are just outright going to disregard it. If you are vegetarian, you're going to outright disregard it, meaning you see it, you know what it means, but you're not going to spend any time thinking about it, considering it, going there. That would be a waste of your time, so you'd be disregarding it. So, how do you do that without thought stopping? So, thought stopping is a technique that I and pretty much every other therapist on earth was taught as a means of dealing with thoughts. So, thought stopping. Literally, they will say, when you get a thought and you don't want it, imagine a big stop sign in your head that just says, Stop. So just don't think about it. Super easy, right? Why can't everybody just do that? Just stop thinking about it and it will all go away. Right. You, you hear how this is not helping, especially for someone with OCD. Now, um, they'll also talk about things like putting a rubber band around your wrist. And when you have that thought that you don't want, you snap it on your wrist as a, as a means of, of um of, of, of negative suppression. Um, so it, it's, it, it, or no, that would be, excuse me, that, that would be positive suppression. Um, anyways, you're adding a stimulus to hopefully make something not happen. Um, anyways, so point is, is that um, those things don't work, um, not for someone with, with um, OCD. So, and then the other is, how do you do it without repeating a phrase in a compulsive way? Great questions. So, there are a lot of different ways to do this. There are a lot of therapists that are talking about this. Michael Greenberg is, is a great resource who talks about rumination. He does have his own method, and you can check it out. I've had an episode with him. He's also been on the OCD stories, and he's kind of all over the place. His website is a, a has a myriad of good information out there, and hopefully I can get him on again because uh, I, 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 I have a question specifically for him uh, in a future episode. So, um, <laughs> so... Uh, so is it always so how do you do that well first off one way to do that i I like is in the non-engagement responses so what that means is we acknowledge the thought but we're not going to further engage with we're not going to go down the rabbit hole with it we acknowledge it but we don't go further in the conversation it's kind of like you know if someone if you if you're telling a story to someone and they don't really want to talk to you they might go cool story and they'll walk away I've talked about it before as the way that we should all be interacting with conspiracy theorists is that they're going to say their crazy story and that we are going to say, whoa, that's crazy, and then walk away. We're not going to argue with them. We acknowledge that we heard it. That's crazy, not like in a pejorative, but like, oh my goodness, that's wild and weird. And, um, you know, because they, they think it's wild and weird or a fact or I don't know what, I don't know what they think. Um, but the point is, we acknowledge it and then we just move on with our life. We go, we go, we go away and we're not going to spend any amount of time trying to fix it, figure it out, avoid it, destroy it, talk, talk them out of it. Certainly. And we just move on. So, uh, the non-engagement responses is acknowledging the feeling that you have. Oh my gosh, this makes me feel so uncomfortable. It does. But so what? We feel a lot of things in life. So secondly, we can feel, we can we can say, oh man, I really want to do a compulsion. You do. But we can acknowledge the urge that you have, 
without then following through on it, right? We do that if we if you've ever been on a diet, we can say, oh man, I really want pizza right now. Yeah, you do. But you're choosing not to engage with pizza if you are on a diet of some type, right? So, uh, and you kind of get the idea of, of what that... The, the other is you can say, gosh, wouldn't it be terrible if, if X happened? Like, yeah. If, you know, your, your entire sexuality flipped and everything in life would have to change, I mean, that would be highly inconvenient, right? It might be painful emotionally for, for in a lot of different ways. I mean, would it be the end of the world? I mean, probably not, but it would it would come with you know a lot of struggle. So we can acknowledge that it would, but it's not happening yet. Like, wouldn't it be bad if I also got in a plane crash? Yes, it would, but I, I'm not going to spend any amount of time engaging with that thought because, well, right now I'm not on a plane, and two, I'm not. Even if I was on a plane, what is my thinking about it going to change? Going to fix? Going to avoid? Prevent? You get the idea. All it's going to do is it's going to create more anxiety for me. So, um, so that's some ways that you can disregard it without uh, w- without doing thought stopping. It's more think about it as thought redirection. It's allowing the thought to be there, but we're not further engaging with it. They also so she also go on to say, is it bad to apply logic with it? So, I want to say no. No, in the sense that we can use logic. So, um, one method through cognitive behavioral therapy is called, um, I, I'm, oh my gosh, my brain is freezing right now. That's not good. Um, cognitive, no, not cognitive distortion, cognitive restructuring. There we go. Oh my gosh. It's it's super late right now when I'm recording this. My schedule is way off. So, it's super late. And then I'm going to stop recording and I'm going to publish this. And then I'm going to go over to the house we just bought and I'm going to sand to the countertops to prepare it for refinishing. And that's going to take me about two hours. So, I'm going to get home at midnight after my full day of clients, this is what my life looks like now. So if I'm tired and out of it, my my podcast schedule is all over the place. That's why. Anyways, so um, so uh, cognitive restructuring. We use logic to challenge, to look at the thoughts that we have, and and to think about them in a more logical, reasonable, rational way. Now, that can be controversial. It is controversial to some people. However, it is also a very common way that we look at. Our, look at our thoughts and our experiences and to see if we can trust our self and our experiences and what and what we feel like we want and what we what we do want and what we defend in our heart of hearts. I've talked about before trusting your compulsive conclusion. So what I mean by that is is when you're doing compulsion, so the, the, the obsession the obsession is a doubt about something you believe to be true about yourself. Your brain gives you this doubt, and then you go into a compulsive process to try to prove something about you. So, you're trying to defend something that you believe to be true, and you defend it mightily. And then you go back into doubt because that question comes back in, but you're defending something that you believe to be true, right? Based on maybe experience, based on desire, based on your history of thoughts and behaviors, etc., there's a lot of evidence that you have that that's the thing that is reflective of who you are and perhaps your authentic self and desires. And yet this thought throws you off. So we go back through cognitive restructuring to reflect upon those truths and to hopefully, in a, in a gentle way, dismantle some of these alternative um, uh, uh, distorted beliefs. So I still think it's helpful 
to go through that process. But what we're doing is we are trusting yourself. You're building trust. Um, if you listen back to the um, IBT episode, so the inference-based CBT episode with Carl Robbins, he talks a lot about trusting yourself and building this understanding of who you are. Um, as as it, It's kind of really elaborate cognitive restructuring. Yes, it's more involved with that. And Don't send me emails, IBT people. I'm on your side in a lot of ways. Don't get mad at me. Anyways, so um, so it, it, so uh, uh, repeat OCD victim. So you said, is it is it bad to trust it? And you then go on to say, um, I feel like given my record my uh, of my life and relationships, I can be ninety nine percent certain that I'm straight. Great. So if you are, act like it. What would it mean to act like it? If someone is trusting that they are a quote straight person. Are they going to fight with a thought that they might be gay? Probably not. Unless, unless OCD doubt gets in there and makes you question that. Instead, you, you, would, you would trust that. You would act as if it's true, right? Maybe another example, and again, this is um, tried and true and well-worn. Um, I trust that my car is going to work, right? I'm 99% certain it's going to work, and I'm going to get into it in about 10 minutes. Um and I'm, I trust that it's going to work. It, it worked this morning. It's, it worked this afternoon. It's worked all the other times for the past couple of years. What if it doesn't work today? It might not. But you know what? I'm not going to do a once-over on my car before I get in it. I'm not going to have a, a, a mechanic come out at you know late at night to check it out to make sure that it's in working order before I get in it. No, I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to go. And we're going to see what happens. That's me being trusting that my car is going to work. But I can't be certain because things may change, right? But that's me having to accept the uncertainty as to if and when it will happen. Now, a difference, though, with with my car is that, it, I mean, if I don't tend to it or care for it, it will break down. And things just break in cars, Right. That's, that's not always the same story when it comes to sexuality, is that our sexuality, to use the term, to continue on with, I'm just going to let my, my metaphors uh, di- crash into each other, uh, no pun intended. It's that, you know, while my car may break, it's the new, it, very rarely does our sexuality, quote, break, right? So you asked, can you trust it? Yes. And if you did trust it, what would you be doing and what would you be doing differently from what you're currently doing? And I would say, do those things. Do the things as if you were to trust it. You wouldn't fight with this thought. You would see the thought and go, eh, what else? And you'd move on. You would have that feeling and you'd, it, that would suggest that something's off in your life. And you'd say, ugh, that feeling feels awful. Well, I guess I better go to the store or, or whatever else that it is that you're doing. Um, fixing your broken car, perhaps. Um, that's what you would do. So that's what I'm going to advise that you do here as well, is you trust that it's that you are who you are, and we'll see if it's broken. Uh, I'm going to get emails about saying it like that, but you get what I'm saying, right? We'll see if it, we'll see if things don't go the way that you want. Now, that is, so how can you use that problematically? Is are you saying this to yourself over and over and over again, right? The repeated thing. Are you saying, I'm straight, I'm straight, I'm straight. I've been straight all my life. I was straight in all those previous relationships. I haven't been in any gay relationships or lesbian relationships um, or any other type of relationship. I, I've, I've been me. 
Saying that over and over and over and over and over and over again, that's compulsive. If we say it and then we act as if it's true, that is living your life and practicing response prevention. Now, there might be some details in your life that are diff- that, that, that may make that different. Again, talking with a therapist and unpacking some of those things is going to be helpful, but that's one way to go about doing that. So, um, repeat OCD victim, I hope all of this has been helpful, and I'm just going to slide that ending music in right here and um, uh, close out the show. Again, everybody, uh, if you would like to jump to the top of the list, send me an audio question, either through Instagram or through um, the the uh, uh, the Fearcast podcast website. Please, everybody, um, if, if you could be so kind as to go online and write a review, give a give a star, give a like, give a thumbs up, however it may be on your platform uh, to uh, wherever you get your podcasts, um, it, it, it would mean the world to me. It would mean the world to this podcast. So, um, uh, everybody, please remember that the Fearcast is not a substitute for psychotherapy. If you have questions about your recovery and need a little bit of help, go to Fearcast Podcast, and there's going to be some stuff there for you. It'll be a little bit helpful in pointing in the right direction. So, all right, everybody, until next time, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.